Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are in studio giving you all the first episode of the year of Stacking Pennies. We are joined by none other than Kevin Harvick. The closer himself is going to talk about all things from his kid, how he's going to get through the last year of his career and what he's looking to get out of it. So much good stuff in store for you guys today. We're going to talk about the Legacy Motor Club. And Jimmy Johansson coming back to join us in the NASCAR series. Uh, and we're going to talk about the Hall of Fame inductees. So buckle up, guys. It's going to be a first episode for the ages. This is Stag and Pit. <laughs> Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're out here stacking pennies. Hello, friends. We are in it. Missed you guys. It's been a long break. It was nice to come down here in studio, see Chuck's smiling face, even though I can't really see his smile because it's covered up by that mustache hair. Uh, he is joined to my right, as always. How has your offseason been, my friend? It was uh, too short, but good. Mm. Yeah, it's always too short. Did you reenact any battles? No, I did not. I did not. I went up to the mountains for a little bit, had you know, a little nice little getaway. We're going to take these three, four winter months off and then come back in the spring in March when it's nice and uh, thawed and then uh, have it out. That's kind of what Flores is doing. Indoor <laughs> racing a little bit, but he's not changing tires, but he's gearing up for it. They're starting to practice the last yeah. couple of weeks. So how's your offseason? Taking vacation from victory? I haven't taken much of an offseason from changing tires. I've changed a little bit of the process and i've been in there grinding hard but yeah january is are you are privy to say what that process is because there's a being, big shift being better being better at being good being better kind of doing what the 14 guys are doing and some of the guys went to last year but yeah i mean that's where the sport is like i felt like i was a top five top seven guy you know every week as a front tire changer in that position and if you just keep doing the same thing you were doing last year with how fast the sport's moving. You won't be even in the top 10. So if you want to be the best, you got to keep moving and shaking. Um, that's kind of where we're at as a sport is a transitional period of figuring out what's faster, what's better. And uh, that's been a lot. And then, yeah, January is our busiest month. You went um, to, you went to Tul uh, not Tulsa. We went to, in we Fort, went to Wayne. Fort Wayne. I uh, had some problems with the car, just new car blues. Um, there, they don't have starters. Dumb. So you don't really like if you have a little bit of an issue with the motor, it takes a while to figure it out. And by the by Saturday night, we were in the A main, running two spots behind Tony Stewart, coming to the front, and um, blew a motor, running sixth, and then went to Allentown, which a race that we've won 50% of the races there. It's been really good to us, and won the won the prelim night, made a thousand bucks, and then got beat, got freaking beat. On by Saturday who? By Anthony Cecily, a friend mm. of mine. Turns out I'm a sore loser. So uh, yeah, just got beat there and. Then went vacation with you this weekend. Well, I wasted you money on this T-shirt. <laughs> Best dressed guy here. He is. First time ever. Best dressed guy here. Merriman's rocking a Ryan Flores T-shirt. I like that. I don't even have one of those. I thought we were buddies. I don't have them either. How much, how much of Corey's merch do you have? Uh, none. <laughs> I've never. I mean, You're like yeah. a big corduroy hat guy, though. Yeah, I've never bought any corduroy. Yeah, but I don't have any double XL hats. <laughs> 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 Ten gallons, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if he put some zip-up boots on his website, and buy <laughs> some of them. Definitely would. I can't wait till you lose next offseason. Oh, nice. Well, he's going, no, he's going. No, he's going to weeks. Atlantic City two weeks, right? Yeah, double, double Atlantic City. So they're doing kind of like a makeup from COVID. So like what? Double Kings Royal. Double. Oh. Double dream, like what Eldora did. They're having full, like full paying Atlantic City Gamblers Classic Friday night. Full, you know, trophy and stat sheet. Full blown 
So that'd be like the 2020 makeup, and then the 2023 race. We all support each other on the show. It feels it makes you feel good, you know. Thanks for asking how I'm great, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really care. Yeah, I figured. How's it going? New kid? New kid, yeah. Everything's yeah. good. Sleeping a little bit? I'm sleeping in the guest room, so you know, <laughs> I'm sleeping great. Dude. Voluntary? Uh, Yeah, yeah. I need my beauty rest. Let's I be can honest. tell you're getting it. You look yeah, good. You look hey, good. You look I feel good. Trim and slim? Yeah. It's a shirt. Yeah, it is. It's slimming. That's a good shirt. You know who else looks slim and trim, Chuck? Who's that? Jimmy Johnson. Aha. Coming Ooh. back. For the 500, let's shelf Jimmy for a second. 23-11, three cars for the Daytona 500. Mm. That back of that head looked pretty familiar, Chuck. <laughs> I know a back of the head when I see one. Backflip. Because I've, I've seen plenty of double backflips, that back of the head. Love to see that. who that announcement's going to be. The Daytona 500, ladies and gentlemen, I think there's going to be 10 cars fighting for four spots. Wow. Maybe nine cars fighting for four spots. Um, Jimmy Johnson not locked in. Third twenty three eleven car not locked in. I'm sure Justin Marks is over there. He's got something up his sleeve for that Project 91. We keep hearing little rumblings of Elio Castroneves potentially in that he was promised money a team. Ride. He was promised a ride by Don Hawk, and Don Hawk makes good in his promises. Yep. So wait for that news to come out. I don't know where it's going to be. But the Daytona 500 is going to be – Huge this year. How do we think? How do you think Jimmy does with his new race team, the Legacy Motor Club? Uh, I mean, what kind of resources is he going to have behind it? Right. I mean, obviously, you know, Legacy Motor Club. I almost said Petty GMS. Uh, I mean, they were fast last year. They won Southern Five Hundred last year. So he's know. mad about the name. I like the name actually. He's mad about it. I'm just see. Not, you I know, like you said it reminded you of soccer. I'm just not a soccer. No, person. I did. It, it reminded. Yeah, like they could start if they're Legacy Motor Club. Like, they could easily start up Legacy Football Club and just be in the same place. And you keep the logo and the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. I mean, I think it it opens itself to some I like cool it branding. Yes. Yeah. I like it because it's different. And yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't like, pigeonhole you for one motorsports, right? It's not like Johnson Motorsports, yeah. right? It's not like Johnson Petty Gallagher Motorsports. Trying to cram them all in there in a yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've seen this trend with Trackhouse where – teams are maybe trying something that is uh what's what's the the um the garage i'm i'm drawing garage about 56 no uh gilliland a tricon garage yeah like there are these different sort of brandings of yeah. teams that's not based off of a name which to me is like okay you could build this bigger than just one person's name so more money could come in more opportunity for ownership to diversify the ownership and have someone like a pitbull come on board and you know it's not going to be pitbull motorsports it's track house it's branding so, yeah it's it, it to me that's an awesome way to grow the sport more and i have nothing against like i part of me is like i want to have richard petty motorsports on the track there's something about that that you want but at the same time but now his legacy lives on. Right, right. Because there's legacy behind it. There's tradition behind that. So well, there's always going to be a day when you know there's going to be a day when Hendrick Motorsports is gone. Right. Eventually, right. So, but that's what like Tricon Garage becomes a brand. Right. Legacy Motor Club becomes a brand. Trackhouse is a brand. Like Justin Marks has been outspoken about that. It's not just a race team. It's a brand, and they. People can get behind a brand and a culture more than so than it seems like they can get behind just a, a rich guy who names a race team after himself. Twenty three eleven. Yeah. Like yep. it's the same type of thing. Like you're I like it. Yeah. 
and that's a we're just in that transitional period as a sport. But this, if there's going to be that many cars going for spots at Daytona, this car, the the next gen car or whatever, the car now is doing its job. Yes, absolutely. That was one of the cool things about Daytona back in the day is, and and most a lot of races back in the day, there were guys that would go home. Like you weren't guaranteed to make the show, which added this other element to the whole feel of it. Del McCowart. Oh yeah, yeah. Never won a race. Yeah, never, never lost, lost the party. The party. Mm. Yeah, if you did, you need to go on YouTube and look up Del McCowart Daytona 500. There's Lowest a master, for guys Masters like him. in the Masters in number zero. Oh, yeah. Do yourself a favor, Dale McCower. Great now, Daytona story. It's frustrating to me because like the 2311 news, I saw some stuff on Twitter that was like it could be Travis Jastrana. Mavis Rastrana. Pastrami? I don't want to say the name. But like people are saying that like if it, if it was Travis Pastrana, he doesn't he hasn't earned his right. Like that is that's frustrating. What fan, that's what oh. people were like, well he hasn't earned that is so frustrating to me because like, bro. One, I changed tires for him when he did run Bush and he ran, you know He wasn't terrible. It wasn't bad, right? It's hard. It's hard Dude, to do. The guy is, is a, a world, world superstar. Class. But he's yeah. world class rally car, motocross. Like, why are we limiting ourselves? Where like our fan base is like, nah, he doesn't deserve it. <laughs> like, why is that a thing? Like, I welcome him with open arms. Like, come on, he's gonna bring so many people. And hell, I hope he runs good. Does anybody deserve? Oh, he's anything? gonna. He's gonna. No, no, they don't. No, no. They Take just, the opportunities you got for sure, and quit being sour. It, on if your anything, couch. he's putting way more butts in the seat. Him being there than not. So I would love to see him back on NASCAR grid, particularly in the Cup Series. So who knows? But it's cool just to see how flexible these teams are becoming, one of which being the next-gen cars allowing, allowing teams to do it. And you also know you're not going to be too far out of, out of the ballpark. You don't need to put a body on a car. You don't need to spend however many, how much time in the wind tunnel. You can literally bolt this thing together and be somewhat in the ballpark oh, yeah. to be able to qualify for the Daytona 500. So, did, he run, did he run Truck Series races last year? Yeah. A couple? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure what the approval process was, but I'm glad if they did put the old stamp on that thing and <laughs> ship it. Where do we think Jimmy Johnson runs in Daytona 500 for the inaugural Legacy Motor Club? First question is, does he make the show? Yes. All right, Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, makes he's show. got he's got two. I'll tell you why. Because he's got too many Chevy partners and friends that are going to be willing to help him over anybody other. Any other open car. That's I'd the be biggest thing. So sad if he missed it. He's not going to miss it. The only way he misses it is if he breaks something. I. So how he does in the 500. Jimmy's last couple of super speedway races weren't the greatest showing of his. I mean, he won the Clash the last year. Cool, but of the points-paying races. <laughs> cool. No, but of the points-paying races, the longer races, you know, the 500 mile races he seemed to be involved in a lot of bad luck incidents. Like there were, when was it that it was like the first or second lap that he was knocked out of the 500? Yeah. Like he's, I am a huge Jimmy Johnson fan. I just know his track record recently hadn't been that great. I will say this. It's going to be easier for him to come back at the Daytona 500 than it would be going, coming back at Fontana. Yeah. yeah. You know, such a big difference with aero balance and, uh, and how these cars draft, sidewalls of the tire, how much forgiveness there are. I am interested to see. They're giving him a test. I think he's doing uh, a 
the organizational test out at Phoenix. I didn't I did notice, so he'll get a little bit of time there. He's been doing the garage fifty six stuff too. Yeah, but dude, you see the louvers and stuff on that thing. Yeah, that thing's got a downforce machine. But like where the pedals are and where the wheel is and where he sits. Oh, aren't that, they in front of you? Like yeah, there's the steering wheels. And then the gas is on the right, and then yeah. the steering wheel is kind of in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe um, if you'd have known that when you're racing. I, I just think past the, week, the NASCAR know. in which Jimmy left is different than the one he's yeah. going to return I think to. he hung it up too soon. Well, in speedway racing, though, it's not like as much of a – it's a crapshoot if, if they start wrecking, but the same guys are at the front of the field every race yeah. because they're good at it and their you, teams are good at how it. How much help do you think he gets in the actual race? I mean, l- let me uh, ask you this. Do you think – do you think someone would be more enticed to help you because you've been there for the past two or three years or Jimmy Johnson? Jimmy because, one, he's Jimmy Johnson. Two, he doesn't plug a hole in the playoffs, right? Somebody pushes me to the win or pushes me. Yeah, if, if somebody pushes me or chooses me over Jimmy, if they have a – if there is a decision between Jimmy Johnson, who you know is part-time, and me, who can plug a spot in the playoffs, you're going to go with the guy that's not plugging a spot yeah. in the playoffs. If you have to push them, yeah, but you but to win these races, you also have to be aggressive. But you gotta be aggressive, and, I, and also a lot of the times, there's there's never there's never an opportunity where it's like, okay, do I go this way? Do I go this way? It's like whoever's on your nose is whoever you're pushing, yeah. and you just have to put people behind you in a position to make them push you. There's a way you can do that, but I'm curious to see what Jimmy's aggression level is going to be, and ha- I mean he's always been the, the calculated guy. I'm curious to see what his his mindset going in for 500 miles is going to be. If I had to do all too soon pick right now, I'd yeah. do like twelfth. But I'm a big. I think it'll be feast or famine. Really, I think yeah. it'll be in the top six or, or in the bottom six. Yeah. Um, what do, What do you like about the number? I like the number eighty four. I was kind of thinking that he might whip out the seventy five. Because remember how the the fifty was on that Budweiser yeah. car at, at Hendrick in the fiftieth year? I didn't know if NASCAR but was going like. to try to do a little bit of a little. I like cross flipping pro- flipping cross the numbers. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. yeah. It's going to throw me off a little bit. I'm like, oh, 80, oh, yep, that's Jimmy. Well, at least all the fans that got 48 tattoos back in the day can look in the mirror and be like, <laughs> yeah. This looks good still. And then all you have to do is add Legacy Motor Club I was backwards. Rooting, I was rooting for the 44. <laughs> Speaking of past champions and wine and cheese, how about my man Larson going to run Indy? It was only a matter of time. Dude, that I can't fires believe, me I up. can't believe Rick let him do it. Why not? He sponsored the damn thing. I know. <laughs> I can't believe it. Oh, you want to do it? Okay, I think here's Jeff. A, here's a two-comma check for my it's, boy. It's 100% run. Jeff because well, ever since Jeff showed up at the Chili Bowl. Yeah, but I think Larson has just changed everybody's – like everybody thought in this box. Like cup guys, they get bad habits. If they go run short track stuff, we can't do it. And then when he became available and then Rick picked him up, he's like one of his stipulations is like, hey, man, I'm racing. And then all it takes is one guy to be doing something different than everybody else and start winning, then everybody wants to do it. Yeah. So you see more guys. Keselowski went to the Snowball Derby. You see more, like – Did he? Yeah. I don't really remember him going down there. Be nice. Um, but you just – you just there's a lot of guys that have been running more short track stuff. Talk to Kevin Harvick. You know, Dale Jr. More Bowman. and more guys that are going Bowman. Rough week at the Chili Bowl. Rough – a lot of money spent at the Chili Bowl for yeah, Bowman. But it's just he has changed the trajectory of the sport in that sense that, like, everybody's like, oh, we need to race more. We need to be in well, more yeah. cars. We yeah. need to be doing more now stuff. You, now you get asked if you don't do it, what do you – like, why not? Yep. Well, and, you know, 
Can I can I really dive into the weeds? As, unless you had something philosophical you're about to hit me with. Well, I mean, if you look back, like oh one through two thousand and eight, like guys were running full trucks and Xfinity schedules on top of cups. So yeah. now that those opportunities are gone away, yeah. does it have something to do with looking other places to get seat time since yeah. they can't do full time in the you know national series? Yeah, yeah I mean. Harvick talks about it here when we have him on the show later about he, he ran 67 races. You know, 67 uh, races worth of seat time is just continue to hone your craft and sharpen your sharpen your sword, and it gives you such an acute feel to tire. That's what I think <clears throat> a guy like Larson learned so much about whether it's racing a sprint car or a midget or a dirt late model now you see him running more. You get acclimated to that tire. And then you have to hit the reset button, and then you have to get reacclimated to this tire. And it's not that you learn bad habits. I think that you just have to continue to, to train your brain to adapt to the tire. Because I found myself this past year, um, you know, you get acclimated to the tire, and you kind of understand where the, where the edge is and how much slip angle you can put in it. Then you go run that modified at Martinsville, and those things are like marshmallows, you know, and you got to work to feel those tires okay now your butt gets comfortable with that feel and then you t press the play pause button there go back to the cup car and you relearn it and then you find the edge maybe a little bit more just because you got uncomfortable and learned something else you have to relearn this one i think that's the progression of what driving different cars does for a driver it's definitely been a big change in the last two years since especially since kyle came back and had success, the amount of people that are running short track stuff, and it's just great for the health of the sport. So. Well, it brings – it brings – makes the dirt fans interested on watching – well, it bring, makes the dirt fans in, interested in Indy 500. It brings NASCAR fans interested in 500. Dude, I'm going to be glued to the TV watching yeah. Indy 500. Oh, yeah. So, <coughs> Kurt – got the best shot of anybody to, to do it. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Well, since Tony. McLaren, McLaren – Missed a show with one two years ago. I mean, Fernando Alonso missed a show at the 500. But he's going to have all the sim time you could possibly stand right here to no less in the GM center. So he does. He literally can jump out of his cup simulation and go right next door. I mean, is he going to simulate a double? Like, do you do that? Like, do you go in, you run that, and then yeah. you, you run the 500, then you run the 600 just to kind of get an There's idea. There's no of way he'd like simulate mental, 500 laps at Indy. Though. Do you want to get no. some of that mental fatigue in there? Uh, knowing, knowing Josh Wise the way I do, and, and Josh Wise is like the Chevy trainer, chain, trains Larson pretty in depth, I'm sure they're, they would do that. They would probably run a half a race worth of a – maybe not a half a race, but you would do an ex extensive amount of time in the Indy car and then instantly jump into the – to the cup sim and try to acclimate. Because I'd liken it to like running a marathon or a triathlon or something. And Josh Wise, you know, obviously does that stuff. Yeah. And just you don't do a full marathon before you run a marathon, but you train like you build up your endurance. So that way when you do it, it's not as taxing mentally. Yeah, oh. that's, a, that's a great point. Larson's won the four crown at Eldora. He's one of the only people to do it. And that was a midget sprint car and silver crown car in the same night. Obviously, it's the same track, but. This is a guy that's used to jumping in different stuff each, you know, even on the same day sometimes yeah. and each and every week. So, On that plane back, I mean, they're just going to be getting fluids IVs and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Larson wins the race, drinks the milk, then gets in the car and pukes, and he tells Cliff, milk was a bad choice. <laughs> <laughs> 
God. Oh, I mean, what's that you, look like, though, if the guy that wins the Indy 500 has to leave? Like, that, I've thought about that. that See you later. That's a good problem to have. Yeah, yeah. Go. Yeah. yeah, but that's, I mean, that's a whole other level of stuff that people well, get a have plane. to plan for. Get a right? bigger plane. Get an auxiliary media center in Charlotte and then just bring them there. Yeah, hopefully yeah. they're listening to, the, you know, the Indy folks are listening to this podcast. I'm sure they are. You know some people. That work in the India. Uh, they, you know, the they've, uh, they've done this show and song and dance many times. Kurt did it. Tony did it. Like they've got a contingency plan for it. They you think so? To. I'm sure they yeah, got they it. Have definitely. To. Yes. Yes. We're not the first per people. To th we're not uh, collectively. We may be smart, but individually, we're not. And if we're thinking about it now, <laughs> I can somebody's see. Done I can it see also with that big of a heads up to the networks and everything. I bet. I bet you that NASCAR and Indy could probably work hand in hand a little more to stretch the start times out a little bit. I could see that happening. Because it was tight when, when Kurt did it. Yeah. Mm. Also, shout out to Kurt Busch for a sixth-place Indy 500 finish. Yeah. I mean, that's impressive in itself. Do, do you think the Larson can beat a sixth-place finish in the Indy 500? Uh, yes. With Larson's talent level, I think – I don't think he can win both races in one day, but I think he can go to Indy and, and have a relatively realistic chance to contend for a win. If anybody could ever – be the one to win them both. Kyle Larson's is that See, guy. The guy. I, I, I Who agree. else? Tony. I mean, nope. He didn't can do it. I know. He didn't I mean, do it, and he's not yeah, because he's, he's not done. Doing it. So he didn't do it. He could. He could have. Yes, he, could he had have. a great opportunity. Yes. Yeah. But Larson. No, no. And, and nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. No. Larson's at the point in his career that, like, I think he's at that peak point that if he's going to do it, now is the time yep. to be competitive enough in both. That Den Denny Hamlin says driver don't, drivers don't peak till they're forty. But he's in that. But he's, he's in that sweet. He's in that sweet he spot. He's in that sweet spot. Sure. Yeah. So because Kyle Ar Kyle Busch is is expressed interest in doing it, and I would take Kyle Larson over Kyle Busch head to head in an Indy car. Yeah, for sure. If he went, if he does that, is he? Where does that put him like on an all time Mario list? Andretti st status? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. If, like, if he like, if he wins both. Yeah. No, I mean, no. If he just win, if he goes and wins I could argue, 500, I could argue. Wins I could argue. Both. I could argue this. I could argue that if he wins the Indy 500, and just let's, the Indy let's just say yeah. not wins the Coke 600. If he just wins the Indy 500, he is in the top five greatest drivers, drivers of all time conversation. Yeah. With like Lewis Hamilton and Mario Andretti and uh, Michael Schumacher. Luke, Michael Schumacher and Jimmy Johnson. And Earnhardt. My opinion. And but AJ not Ford, necessarily yeah. doesn't insert himself into the top five greatest NASCAR drivers of all time. Yet. If he runs top five in both, it'll be like, that was cool. Yeah. But it wasn't like, he's like, it wasn't like super impressive. Like almost Kyle Larson, like to to impress everybody, like he needs to go win, win both. Yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah. That, he's, yeah. he's, that's yeah. where he's, he's well, graded on that curve. Yeah, yeah, well, because people expect him. People yeah. know he's he's that guy. Well, what a time to be a, Motorsports fan. That's what I tweeted, just to to see crossover, to see guys jump in cars that you wouldn't normally see them in. It's it's cool, man. Whether it's whether it's on our side of NASCAR, Indy cars, or or anything, really, you just see so many so many talented guys. You gotta appreciate them while they're here. Which brings me to my next guest, who needs no introduction, but Mr. Kevin Harvick is somebody who we need to appreciate. Because this is going to be his last full-time season in the NASCAR Cup Series. He's joining us right here in studio right after this. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. 
Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, guys, like we've been talking about all episode, joined for the first guest of the year, Mr. Kevin Harvick joins us right here on Stacking Pennies. Thanks for joining us. No problem. It's, uh, it, I, I promised you I was going to do it for a few years, and, it, and it, it just took a little bit of, of time to actually – make it happen so here we are well better late than ever because also we had to get you on before you pu- just pulled the pin and moved to italy and raced with your kid <laughs> well i did pull the pin I, I i have one more year of uh full-time nascar cup series racing i shouldn't say full-time i'm at the end of the year i'm done cup racing i'm not gonna that was one of the things that i wanted to accomplish was not to retire then unretire then come back and run three or four races what that legacy is when we get to the end of 2023, that's that's what it is. So, uh, we, we, you know, we've we've tried to develop a a great um, plan to show appreciation to the sponsors and the team members and the people and and uh, the fans for everything that everybody's done. But as a business owner, when I own teams, if I would have got up on the stage and said I'm done at the end of 23 and hadn't told anybody, I'd have been in big trouble. Mm. So, you know, for for us, this has really been a plan that's kind of taken place over the last year and a half and took a while to put it all together. Do you feel like you're at a place where like you're looking forward to it? I am. And I think for, for me, it's, it's really about that competitive mindset. I've I've been doing this for 23 years, but as you know, I'm, I'm heavily involved in just the day to day of whether it's the sponsors or communicating with Rodney, uh, the team and just what's going on and the sport and everything that comes with that. And it's just it's to the point where I need some flexibility to spend more time with my kids, uh, to be able to go watch Keelan race more, to watch Piper uh, decide what she wants to do and how she grows up to help Delana make sure that they do what they're supposed to do in school. They go to school upstairs. uh, So you, you wind up being the principal as well. And but I, I'm just I'm, I'm at a point where it's I'm fortunate to be able to have accomplished a lot of things in, in the sport. I feel really comfortable with with where I'm at as far as what what I've been able to do. And there's just other things that, that I want to do. I still want to I still want to race. I, I love being a part of the teams. I love would love to look into trying to be more of a part of a team as as we go forward. And I just I really want to spend more time with my kids. So we've restructured the business side of things with with KHI management. We'll open up some different businesses along the way. As you saw, we bought the uh, part of the group to, that bought the cars tour and and being able to to be a part of that, drive the car, race with the guys and gals that that are that are in the tour. And and I love racing. And there's no hiding from the fact that that we are a racing family and and have grown up around it, have been around it, and you know we'll we'll fall into my grave a, a part of it. So. You know, that's just um, what, what we like to do. And, and you know, we've, we've talked about not doing this and not doing that with our kids. But 
here we are. Let's go down that path a little bit. I, I want to talk about the Cars Tour stuff. Super exciting news there with the mm -hmm. group with Jeff and Dale and you and Justin uh, taking control of the late mile stock touring series. We'll get to that in a minute. But I'm interested about Keelan. My boy Keelan is going overseas. He's over in Italy at the moment. But I wanted to, to kind of re rewind it a bit to – your relationship with your dad you talked about it on the Dale Jr. download. Um, you had some great stories. Uh, and, and before we jumped on, I was talking a story about how my dad knows just the right buttons to push yeah. to get the most out of you. And you had a good story and I had to tell you to pause it. So tell all the listeners that story you're about to uncork uh, with the, with the list. Yeah. Well, I think your dad and my dad are, were probably very similar as I look back at it now you're like well he was probably right about that and he was probably right about that and probably should have done this that way that way but anything I could do to not do it that way was way more fun and seemed way more acceptable uh, in my mind as to what was <laughs> what was right um, but the, the story that we were talking about was I guess it would have been I don't know probably 90 94 95 some somewhere in there so at that particular point, my dad was a, was a fireman, and he would, he would go to the fire station. And, and part of what we did from the time that I, I mean, I had a checkbook from the time I was in fourth grade. Most people probably don't know what a checkbook is. Uh, I'm sorry. But anyway, I, I, had to, I had to, it started with simple things like that. It was a checkbook, and then you had to go to work during the summer. And so I cleaned pools and painted fences, and that migrated into having all of our own stuff on, on the race team. So then I started working at the shop you know, after school and during the summer. And as I got out of school, I guess I was just out of school. So he would leave the list on the side of the car. And I had myself and, and one of my friends that worked at the shop every day. And, and we liked to work different hours than my dad because the morning was too early. So I would, you know, come in and, and the first thing we would Same. do is go to lunch yeah, with yeah. everybody. And then we would work into the night and into the morning. And then we'd come back the next day and start at lunch again. Yeah, That was not my dad's schedule. And that frustrated him. Um, but we always, for the most part, what we thought was done, we, we thought we would get the list done, whether it was to his liking or not. So uh, anyway, one day he came home from the fire station and he looked in the, in the shop and we had just got there and he looked at the car and he said the car was up on jack stands and it was completely done. We had scaled it. We'd taken everything off the car because I'm sure we had other things that, that we wanted to go do at night over the weekend before the race. And he was like, nope, you didn't do everything. Took the right front suspension off the car cussed all the way out of the shop through the upper spindle lower hub everything in the back of the truck <laughs> left and left says you're not racing tonight i was like well we're not racing tonight and my buddy looked at me and he said well we got three more cars in here why don't we just take the suspension off the the car over here great idea <laughs> I'm like i'm like you know what <laughs> at that we're gonna we're gonna race the car how old were you i think i was 17 okay 18 and I said, we're going to race the car. So we take the suspension off. We put everything on the car. We load it in the trailer. We push it in the truck. We get to the racetrack, and we're like, yep, we're going to show him tonight. He probably won't even know we raced. <laughs> <laughs> so go out there, qualify, trophy dash, put it in the trophy dash, lap one of the trophy dash, right front hub brakes. Oh, no. Oh, God. Into the fence. <laughs> Poetic so, justice. At that point, we are loading the car up, and we are taking the car back to the rate, to the shop because we're going to fix it. <laughs> so we fix it up the best that we could. Before he found out. Yeah, he knew. He, <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he knew. He knew before we even before we even got got out of the shop, probably. But what was that ass reaming like? It was bad for a few weeks. Was it? Yeah, it was a bad deal. That's the tough part, I think. 
racing with your dad, right? Like it, as much as it, you do it together, at times it also drives a wedge in between you. I know Corey, I mean, Randy will call me and be like, you see lap 133, Corey missed the turn three. What are they doing? You know? And I'm like, well, why don't you call him? You know? Cause I, I, it does as much as racing with your dad builds a bond. It also sometimes oh, yeah. pushes you away from each other. I find myself like I'm nervous if Harper crew on a race to like turn off the competitive side and just be a dad and not fall into like what my old man did, just chewing my ass at the racetrack. How do you balance that as far as when it's time to be a dad, when it's time to be a mentor and when it's time to be a driver coach, but also when it is time to give a constructive ass chewing? Well, I, I definitely give the constructive ass chewing. So, you know, I think, I think for me, my, you know, it got to a point with my dad where I didn't, I didn't speak to him for 10 years. 15 years Mm. so you know it it was big wedge as as you as you as you look at that because it just got so ugly um but there are a lot of things that were right as well as far as you know how he had to deal with things and the way he would push you and the the barriers that pushed you beyond and the things that 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 he made you do and and I think for for me I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty strict with Keelan uh, as far as being responsible for the things that he does. And, and sometimes it's a little bit too far, but I think we've found a really good balance. I found a great uh, kid to help me that, that helps from the coaching standpoint. And, and I, I remember this conversation like it was yesterday with, with Jeff Burton. He's like, hey, I'm going to give you some advice. He's like, you, you, need to, you need to make sure that you coach through the coach. So I'll, I'll let things go. I like being there. He likes me being there and, and we have, you know, we have a good time. And, and when it's, when it's finally to the point of stepping in and giving that ass chewing, uh, I'll step in and, and give that ass chewing. And, you know, when he's, because there, there are so many more things to learn other than go fast, turn left, go fast, turn right, brake gas. Racing is such, there's so many valuable life lessons that, that people can learn in this sport, uh, that, that, that go over because it is a business, um, it does teach you. You have to be very dedicated to what you do to be able to do it well. And those are those are hard things for people and parents outside of the sport to really understand. You know how to how to push their kids without without thinking that they're pushing them too far. What is too far? Like right. how, how do you yeah. how do you know what's far enough to push your kid unless you push them too far? Yeah. How do you know if it's it's going to affect them unless you get right up to that edge? Because in today's world. You know, and especially in racing, you're talking about just small increments of, of, of time, but a lot of that can be overcome up here. And I think that the mental aspect of it and the thinking aspect of it is very important for the kids to understand that there is a huge responsibility with being a part of the process. And how do you outthink them? Because you're, you're, most of the time you're not going to have the fastest car and you're not going to be in a position to win unless you – are smart enough to take your fast car and put it in position to win and not make any mistakes. But when you have a, when you have a mediocre car, how do you put yourself in a position to be a winner and be in position at the end of the race? And, and that's by outthinking them and outsmarting them and outdetailing them and, and getting more out of the situation and getting more out of your people. So it's important for him to understand the workload. Um, it's a very technical sport now with, with all of the data and things that, that go with making the car go fast. And, you know, a lot of the kids don't understand that at an early age. And I think that's important. So we've kind of reconstructed our whole life before COVID. We didn't even race. He'd never raced a lap in his life. He got bored sitting on the simulator and said, let's go to the go-kart track. 
And since that day, we have raced like animals. I was going to yeah. say the yeah. fire hose is turned on right <laughs> oh, now. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I think it's. I think for 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 me, it's all about. I think one of the things that happens in in our well, in sports in general, and especially in our country, the kids win too much. And being able to just say, okay, we're going to change the plan right here today. And from today on, you're not racing that anymore. You're going to go race this. And that's how we wound up in Europe because he, he started he started winning here. And I was panicking. And I'm like, oh, my God, we got to race all these kids again next year. And there's no way he's going to learn what he needs to learn next year. So we started the Legend Car stuff. We sent him to Europe so that we could get that, that fleet restructured and, and you know, uh, the last race of the the last race of the season had 123 carts in his class, 35 countries, and but the culture that comes with uh, going traveling across the world and being in a different country and hearing a different language, and it's sink or swim, right? But you're also also sending them and culturing them for life and and being able to experience things that that hopefully he'll remember for the rest of his life. So that it's that's a the kids are very that's a very complicated question, and yeah. I put a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of thought process in to what's too hard, what's too far, and but we push him. How much of that, like you're a structured guy, yeah. how much of it do you have plotted out where you want him to go? If it's, I mean, I, I think now, I think there was a clear-cut path in America to NASCAR, but I think now even IndyCar is more desirable when you look at guys going through that, and then also F1, the, the door's wide open. So how much of that do you look at as making opportunities and also taking opportunities? Well, there's never there's never anything bad about more people knowing your name, yeah. and you know I think as as you as you go and race around the world, you realize that the racing circle is not as big as you th- think it is, and it's still there are still people over there. It's just like Haas, right? So you've got Gene Haas and you've got Gunther, they're a part of the F1 team. Well, when you you know them, and then all of a sudden you go over and you realize, well, you know Max Pappas. Well, Max knows this guy, and yeah. this guy knows that guy, and and so, you know, as Delaney and I talked about it, there's really nothing bad about sending Keelan to, to Europe to race uh, because of all the cultural things that you can learn for life. You get to race against different kids. You don't know what the path will be by the time he gets there. There's nothing, if he goes down the NASCAR path, there's nothing any different that we were going to do other than we tried to make it more competitive that we would be doing differently here. You're still teaching him the oval stuff here. And he's only 10. And we represent Brent Cruz as well. And the one thing that I have learned with Brent, he's kind of at an age where he's he's hit this roadblock of of options on the on the NASCAR side. So, you know, he's he's done well in the Trans Am thing. Um uh, he he's got the midgets and the obviously the, the chili bowl open things up, you know, for for the younger kids. You can go race the sprint car. But if you're if you're gonna go down the NASCAR road, there's once you get to the trucks and really, even into ARCA, you have you have some limitations from an age standpoint. So we held Keelan back his, before he even started school because his birthday is in July. And I don't think there's really any hurry because what difference does it make if he gets there and he's 19 or he's 22? What, what's the difference? Because yeah. every kid has a really a different mental capacity of the things that they can absorb and the things that they can do. And we've tried not to, like, obviously we put him in, in good environments to race, but we've tried not to like with his go kart. We go, we we don't have a like a fleet of badass motors. We go to the engine guy and we say, hey, we just want to get on the rental program. 
because he has to learn how to sink or swim, right? And, yeah. and you can't just go out there and the mistake that a lot of these people make is they wind up with the best motor and the best car and they go all the way through late models and they run, they don't ever run 10th. Mm -hmm. They always run <coughs> first and then they get to Xfinity and Cup and they don't know how to pass. Yep. Yeah. And not only do they not know how to pass, but they don't know how to race and they don't know how to communicate. And, and so you see a, a lot of those kids that dominate up until that point that just kind of go away when they, when they get into, into trucks and Xfinity. So we've tried to do it respectably uh and i say that by doing the right things without all the super special stuff because it's just not going to be that way my old man wouldn't let me start where i qualified until i was after late models i would get so mad i, I got the best story <laughs> i got the best story Give about that me. so we we come in from qualifying one day at gopro and keelan i think he qualified fourth or fifth or sixth and it was like it was a race where I expected him to go qualify on the pole, win the race, and, and that's what that was the expectation of that day. And, you know, you can, as as a kid, you can just be a little bit cocky. And I, I he came off the scales, and, and we put the card on the stand, and I'm like, what was that? I said, that was terrible. And he looked at me, and he said, he puts his helmet in the seat, and he said, Dad, it's qualifying. It doesn't matter. I said, oh, really? <laughs> okay. So I went to the I went to the race director and I said, "Hey, can you disallow his time?" He said, "What do you mean disallow his time?" I said, "Give him no time." I said, "We are DQ'd, no time." And we get to the grid. He said, "Why are we starting in the back?" I said, "You told me qualifying didn't matter." <laughs> and so he had to start in the back, and we got to the to the next race, and he started in the back again. He said, "Why well, didn't finish here?" I said, well, you said starting in the back. You said qualifying didn't matter, so just start in the back, big boy, and show me exactly why it doesn't matter. If it yep. doesn't matter, just drive up there and win. So that was uh, – He learned his lesson pretty was, quick. He doesn't talk about qualifying not mattering anymore. Yeah. No, that's that's great stuff. Yeah, Dad, I think Dad's motive behind it was to teach you how to pass, and he just knew that Rick Hendrick wasn't sitting in the stands at Hickory, you know, watching right. you win a, win a late-mile race. But that was, he would frustrate me so bad. But – you ever see any more of your any of your late model stats that pop up? In the, no, yeah. no, I don't. It's bizarre. Nobody asked for them. No, when you, when you went to get your cup job, they, no. don't, they don't matter. No. That's, that's one thing I try to explain to parents. I'm like, nobody cares about how where you finish in your go kart. Nobody carried, cares about your late models. Nobody cares about any of that stuff. Nobody even cares about ARCA. Nobody cares where you finished. With it's, that, with it's that just being a, said, if you have a 12, 10 year old kid mm -hmm. right now that you can't fly him to Europe, what do you do? in the states in your locals in the southeast region to prepare your kid to try to get a shot i think it's really what do you want to accomplish if you live here you got a, you've got a lot of options if you want to go be a midget racer or a sprint car driver or yeah, go to millbridge yeah you go to you go to millbridge if you if you want to be an asphalt oval racer uh you know i think that the legend cars are i think that there there's a great path i don't i just i don't think people spend enough time there to I think they want to jump in a late model too early and then they crash them and yep. they run over each other and, and they're just not prepared properly to be able to go out on the racetrack and, and race where they want to race. So I think that preparing and succeeding at the level that you're at is important. If you can't succeed at the level that you're at, you need to go find a better situation and be successful at go-karts or legend cars or whatever it is and before you go to the next level because it's not going to get easier. I mean, hell, you yeah. look at Jonathan Davenport, right? He was an ASA guy, mm. right? He was an asphalt ASA guy, and there's so many routes now to make money racing cars. Yeah. yeah.
but Brent Cruz, man, that's interesting. You bring that up, and you look at guys like Brent Cruz. He's only four years older than Keelan, right? I saw a stat. He's the youngest guy to ever make the Chili Bowl, A Main. Yeah. But like, at what point you look at Ty Gibbs and how fast he's been in the Xfinity Series, how quick he came up? At what point does age, like you said, become a distraction? Like, does it really matter if you're the youngest guy? I don't think so. I I, I want if I'm gonna walk through the whole process with Keelan, I would pay more attention to what he's doing in the division that he's at and how he's processing things mentally. Like how many things can we throw at him and he can process them? He's pretty good at processing things mentally because we throw so much at him. Like when, when I'm around him and, and we're talking and testing and data, like it's constantly, what do you think about this? Look at this, why'd you do this? Where'd you go? Why, what happened here? And then it's, you know, whether it's the data or the video, just constantly try to shove stuff at him because I want to see I want to see how much he can process because in this deal on the on the cup side and even not so much on the Xfinity side but on the cup side it's all about how you can compartmentalize everything and how you can take the negativity and how you can deal with the media and how you can deal with the fans if you're going to look at social media you better have a pretty big uh, mental capacity as far as how you digest all that stuff and and the proper way to think about it and 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 how you take it um, you know how do i how do i how do I make you realize that you are a part of the process but if everybody on that team doesn't believe in you you're in big trouble because if they have one doubt in their mind that you're not giving it all that you have and you're not as committed as they are mm. you're going to lose them and it's it's um that's that's the one thing that has made our team so special on the four car is every guy believes that the other guy is given a hundred percent and they never show up unprepared. You cannot show up unprepared or you will be left out of that group in a, in a big hurry because it's, it's so important to realize as a driver, you're just a little bitty piece of that, but you steer the whole ship. Oh yeah. yeah. You're with the quarterback the, you are the with the things that you say and the things that you say, okay, that was better or that was worse. And I always tell Keelan this, it's better to say, I don't know, because when you say that was better, then all of a sudden it's going to be one step further and then it's going to be one step further and then another step because they think you like it. And to me, that's, mm -hmm. you look at Roush Racing a number of years ago when Matt Kenseth left and uh, Mark Martin left and Carl. Jeff Burton left and Carl left. You had all these leaders to say, guys, we need to stop. Mm -hmm. And this is not better. We need to go back three steps. Remember when? This is where we were, and this is what we need to go back to, and we need to abort on everything else. You can just get so far down this path, and you know I think a lot of guys don't realize how impactful the things that they say on the radio or about their car or the feedback that they have matter. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are 
and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. You're 23 years into this thing. How much different have you changed over those? Oh, man. When I look back at RCR and everything that happened in the beginning, so I went to RCR and it was, okay, we're going to build two Xfinity teams. Every team, everything about those teams was built from scratch from the very beginning, just like the four car was when I went to Stuart Haas Racing. I knew every guy in the shop. We ate together. We raced together. We tested together. We flew together. We drove together. We went, to, we went and did things outside of racing together. And then Earnhardt died, and I went to the three car. Well, I had been testing the three car all, all at the end of, of 2000. But, you know, I think as, as you look at having to race that car with that group of guys, those weren't a bad group of guys, but they were built for Earnhardt. They were his age. They were his mentality. They were all about, they all believed in, in what they believed together. And all of a sudden, I went, bloop, right in the middle of this group that was the same age as my dad. Yeah. And all the guys that I had, had come with, um, you know, through the bush ranks were not a part of it. Well, the first year we raced, I think we raced 69 or 70 races between the Cup Series. We ran the whole Bush schedule, uh, and it didn't really it didn't really show up that year because nobody really knew what was going on. We were just racing. Nobody was going to say anything about anything because we just wanted RCR to survive. Well, in 2002, we showed up and they were just we weren't running good, and. For, for me, I had to start answering the questions. Well, Dale did it this way. Well, Dale did it that way. Well, this is what we think. This is what that, that we think. And I was like, mm-mm, that's not the way I want to do it. And all of a sudden, you started to have some friction. And the friction was changing the crew chief. Well, then, you know, you're undoing all these things that Dale had built within RCR. And all of a sudden, you had this chatter in the background. Oh, he's a pain in the ass. Or he's a pain in the ass. And and then it just got more defensive as you had the new guard versus the old guard. So uh, Gil Martin and, and Todd, you know, they were – Todd Barrier were both my crew chiefs, um, and they were both from, from the bush shop that, that we had built. And slowly all the all – the, all the, a lot of the people kind of migrated differently. But I think for, for me, if I could go back and do all that again, you could probably make that – could have made that whole situation way better by being the communicator and understanding things the way that you understand them now. But I would have never been able to understand the way that things that I do now if it wasn't for changing teams. Because the first thing that Rodney Childers said was, Mm-mm, "Not going to do that. You're not going to. You're not going to run into cars. You're not going to scream. You're not going to yell. You're not going to do this. Or I'm just not coming." And I knew that it needed to be right. Yeah. You know, when I went to Stuart Haas Racing. So he was he was really big in saying, Hey man, you, you need to just I know who you are because it took me a year or so, maybe longer than that, to convince him to, to come really? to Stuart Haas Racing. And from that point on, I realized I, I'm I'm just a I'm a part of this process. I can't just be the ass that walks in and out and mm-hmm. and says you know, make our shift fast. You're stupid. Our cars yeah. are terrible. Yeah. This scream and yell and this and that. Yeah, that that isn't going to fix anything. And you know, I think right if if you had the same 
mentality that's, that I have now, being able to go into Richard's office and say, you know, I think we need to do this, I think we need to do that, and, and you get the right person in there, and, and you do it more appropriately, you just have way less friction. Uh, but it took changing teams and, and Rodney's conversations uh, to be able to do that. And from, from that day forward, you, you just realize, I'm like, man, that was... There was there were a lot of there were a lot of mistakes made from from the communicator standpoint and being that quarterback you can't you can't lead by destruction and it just doesn't work. Dude, I being a picker guy, right? There was points in time, especially the end of the twenty nine era, where it was like I would like listen to the radio and be like, oh man, I I don't know if I ever want to change tires for that guy. Is there ever a time where you feel like you crossed the line and chewed somebody's ass too much, or is there ever a time where you wish you kind of went a little bit harder? Yeah, I, I don't know that I ever wished I went harder. <laughs> I never fell short on 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 that one. And I think that where if, do you think where it, do you think that comes from? Of like, I I chalk that up to being like you feel like the world is watching, and it's hot, and you're isolated, and you only see the picture from the windshield. Mm, That's usually when I dude. get the most mad. And there's some of it that comes from that Bakersfield shop getting his ass chewed by his dad. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, yeah, and. I would tell you that it's more of an excuse now when I look back at it because there's really no reason for it. There's really nothing that you're going to fix in those particular moments, right? Yeah. If you walk in Monday morning and you banged your fist on the, on the, on the table or threw a glass against the wall or ripped the TVs off the wall, it would never, nobody would ever even know. And you'd get way more accomplished. And I, I, in my mind, it was, you know, we just have to raise hell in order to get something changed because they'll get tired of listening to it. And that was, it, it just, it was just so much chaos to, to be able to deal with. And as, as we got the four car started, it was okay. We can't deal with that chaos. Like that is, is just a, it's a complete distraction from, from everything that you're doing. And there's nothing that's going to come out of it other than, other than destruction. And it, so it took, it took Rodney really making me realize all those things and, and, you hear the stories like that of, hey, I can't, you know, I think he's nervous about coming in and working on the car because of the fact that, you know, this or that and, and being able to understand, you know, what's, who, what was happening within the walls because it was just all way too slow for me. And, and that was really, really the, the things that were frustrating to me when I was at RCR was it all just happened way too slow. And for, for me, I thought that if you just made more noise, it would happen faster, but it was just always constant chaos. And then you had to answer it through the media and, and the media and, and things were a lot different than it was much, there was, there, it was much harsher because of the fact that, you know, that was, there wasn't social media and things like that because uh, they would listen to the radio and, and they would, they would really start to even push more of a wedge in there. But mm. man, when I, when I look back at the, at the RCR days, there was a lot, a lot learned there and, you know, I think in, in the beginning, taking over for Dale, being able to have the biggest press conference, uh, have your biggest win, have all those things. All those things happen first. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oof. And so everything else is was all the rest of that. That stuff has all been easy because you had to do the, the, the really stressful, hard ones the first the first year. Um you know, and Richard and I, obviously, we 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 talk now and and have a have a good relationship, and and that's important to me. And the day I left, or when I left, I went in and told him myself, and sat at the table was the most nervous I'd I'd ever been. But 
Hang could, on. Could have been. Did you not book a room at the hotel down the street for a <laughs> okay. press conference? No. To announce the next team? You did, didn't do that? No. Did he take his watch off when you were telling him? Yeah. Like, oh, hold on. Oh, shit. To fight you, the, I'm going to have to fight this guy. You actually sat down and told him face-to-face? Told him face-to-face. Yeah, that's that's the proper way to do it. It's bizarre. How was that reaction? I think he was uh, – oh, I mean, I know he was He was, He was. was shocked that it had got to that point. And, you know, I think at that point it was a year and a half before I was leaving. So it was either, you know, if he wanted to not have me drive the car, then that's what we needed to do in order to get to the next opportunity or we needed to work it out. And we worked it out and, and – you know, I, th- I still hate the I hate the way that that we had the little spat with with Ty and and you know things like that. But all on good ground now. And you know, I think as as you look back at it, it's good that we're on good ground. It's good that you know you understand and respect where each other was. I know he wanted to win as bad as I did, and and I was just you know for for me I was young. I think we all could have handled it better. But I think I I hold a lot of responsibility and. In, in being able to handle handle it better. But we also had a lot of success, too. So it was um, – but we could have had a lot more. It's interesting to me how quickly the sport changes. Like, the, you know, especially relationships like that because I remember talking to Logano a couple years ago and when he was doing marketing stuff and starting his own businesses, and he said that he leaned on you mm-hmm. on, on a bunch of stuff. And I was like, holy shit, you know, from Pocono, whatever it was, 13, 14 yeah. years ago to now and the run-ins that you guys have had. But – talking about i mean he took over tony's team with zippy you guys have a lot more in common yeah than you think so just you've gotten into it i guess we could segue to this from that you've gotten into it with a lot of guys throughout the years like there's people today that are listening to the show that probably don't even know who ricky rudd is right? yeah is there was there ever a time because like i grew up in blue it's junkyard short track racing there was like a point in time where we were just going to fight and we'd end up racing it seemed like yeah is there ever a time where you got in like a little too deep? When Can I tell you my favorite when fight? When you're fighting somebody? Can I tell you my favorite? Was there ever actually a fight though? No. Uh, no. Well, I, I mean, yeah. a fight for me nah. is you wind up bloody and yeah. hurt there were, and on the My ground. favorite would have been if, if Kyle Bush didn't push your car out of the way. Yeah, I was mad that day. That one was. Rightfully so. But my favorite, I was probably, you'll know the year, you and Greg Biffle Bush race. Uh, two, that was 2000. Like, 2000? No. 2001. Yeah. No, that was 2002. That was at the beginning of 2002. So I was 11, yeah. so we were all in the MRO. Uh, Dad was racing. I was up in the MRO suite, and I'm Biffle won. He spun you out, and you nose it in the fence, right? So I'm up, nose up against the glass, watching Biffle, because I see you get out of your car and, like, find your way to victory lane. And you hopped over the, t- the deck lid of that thing, and you grabbed a hold of Biffle. Spider monkey. You did. Spider monkey. Dude, that, that image, I was I was up in the oh. suite like, get him. <laughs> yes, I was, like, 11 years old. So that's my favorite yeah. Harvick scrap so, story. So I, I, I would tell you this. When you're running bad, sometimes you got to have a show, right? <laughs> and in, in our sport, you have to keep yourself relevant. And we did it by – when it wasn't going good, you did it by putting on a show, and you did it by winning Xfinity races or Bush races at the time. Okay, those were those were the two things. I mean, when the Cup car wasn't running good, you had to keep yourself relevant. Right. So a lot of that was just a show. It to this day, I tell a lot of the kids, I'm like, you think a hundred thousand social media followers gonna make you run faster? You think all that controversy is gonna make you better? What's it gonna do? What's gonna make you more valuable than anything? It's being the fastest guy there. And being the baddest race car driver there, you'll gain more followers, you'll gain more fans, and but at that time when we when we didn't run good, we just it was all about chaos, 
we wanted to cause as much chaos as we could. And those guys, Big Mike, Dog, Ratto. Ratto, yeah. Um, Barrier ain't scared either. Barrier, I mean, those guys, they, they, would, they loved it. And that was probably bad for me because I knew that they loved it. And I had that same bond with those guys that I do with this particular team. But we were all just young well, and rambunctious. Well, it goes to the point of you being a leader, right? You were that you were Richard rowdy, loved you were to ready fight. to fight. Yeah, Richard, hold my watch. Yeah, like, R- R- Richard. Richard was all you know. He was all in on just we didn't. It was take no. Yeah. And do everything you can do. And if you weren't going to win, and put on a show. Yeah. And putting on a show was as relevant as as winning the race in a lot of those cases. More more talked about than than winning the race. So understanding the the you know the publicity side of it and and all the things that it took because there were a lot of dry years but you always knew our name yeah well also you can you can sit here and think well that was young kevin that look in your eye when you and chase got into a bristol i thought you were gonna kill somebody I, yeah well i have a bad were, temper it was different <sighs> was though there. it was different though because it was more like a, what are you not understand like you were like how do you not understand this i'm trying to explain it to you and you were, yeah. It was more of a frustration than like I'm just gonna kick his ass. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of the a lot of those instances, it's it's a lot like when we had KHI. Every employee was different, so you had to handle each one of them different. And even with Rodney, like I I beat the dash out of the car one day. I'm like I want to see what the reaction is. This you know they messed up pit stop or whatever it happened that day, and I wasn't gonna yell on the radio, so I just took the steering wheel and I just. Popped the dash three or four times that day and knocked the gauges out of it. After, after race? Not the right button to push. That was the wrong button to push. <laughs> um, but so you have to push those buttons in order to see who each person is. And, and then you have a conversation that's very open, uh, very straightforward, very truthful, because they're mad and they want to get across to you, but I can still get across to, to them as well. And being able to, to understand people and push those buttons and not be afraid to push those buttons is really important because otherwise you're kind of you're tiptoeing around. You don't really know who the other guy is. And you have to be mad at each other a few times in order to understand where each other really stand on certain things. Oh, yeah. thousand percent. I mean, you don't, you don't win 60 cup races if you don't, you know, get the best out of your people. And I was going to ask you, out of those 60 wins, if you had, not the first one, because you said that one was the biggest one. If you had to take yeah. like three, if you had to pick three that stand out to you. Well, the Daytona 500. Yeah. And if I haven't watched that in-car camera fit- footage 10 times from, you were like 20th. 32nd. Like, I think we restarted 32nd With, back with there. like 15 to go. It was yeah. unbelievable. Well, was, you got cool. Kenseth jacked up at one point in the yeah. fence. Yeah, yeah. So Kenseth was damn near spun out. Yeah, that was a, that was a wild finish. Homestead, you know, the, the championship race at, at Homestead, winning that race and, and winning the championship in the first year would probably go in front of the Daytona 500 and then the Daytona 500. Um, so I would go first win, Homestead, Daytona 500, 2003 Brickyard 400. Dude, I remember being so frustrated <coughs> that year at Phoenix when you guys won to go to Homestead because you guys were just kicking our ass every yeah. week. And then you guys won and – Cowboy Cerrone's out there like, burn it down. Air guitar. And then the shot guy's like, oh, I believe that we won. I'm like, wish these guys would shut the f*** up. Yeah. <laughs> but, you, but you earned it. I mean, you were kicking our ass at yeah. the time. So Shoot. That, was a, that, that was a fun year for you guys for sure. Had it was be. a fun year. And that, that year really started in 2013, you know, being able to, to go with the team. And NASCAR had that open test with all the – the different rules packages and, and things that they were they were going to run that year. So it was um, – we, we knew right off the bat that, that we were fast. We had a lot of parts failures and a lot of things break and go wrong. And 
we just put it together at, at the end of the year. So that was one time that I did like the, the, the point structure. All the other years, you know, we wound up not winning. Them. How much How much of this last one, of the last 36 races, 38, however many exhibition ones included, are you going to balance trying to savor the moment and also wanting to go in there and, and be a killer? I like Dell Jr.'s theory, just the the – NFG tour, like you just go out there and like get after it. Get after. You're it. in a unique situation. Like you have a team, and like it showed last year, right? Storehouse wasn't running great. Yeah. Everybody thought you were done, down and out, and you pop off two wins, boom, boom, just like that, yeah. right? And if you don't have the fire at Darlington, there's a good chance you guys make a long playoff run and end up, you know, yeah, giving your shot, giving you a shot to go to things. So you're in like the minority of guys that our true championship contenders can be if everything plays out right in your final year. Well, that's the, that's the goal. And I think as, as you, as you end it, it's the way that you'd want to lay it out. You want to be competitive and you want to win races and, and try to be around for the championship at, at the end of the year. But there's just a, there's a lot that, that has gone into trying to plan it correctly so that we can have dealt with everything before we get started so that we can do that and yeah. try to be competitive and go to the racetrack and do the things that you want to do. Obviously, there will be some distractions and things, but we'll, we'll deal with that. It's not going to be that big a deal. But I think we've done the brunt of the work uh, to, to start the season and kind of tell everybody the story. You'll see some other things as, as we go through the beginning of the year and, and just really just lay it all out there slowly and let people digest it. And, and I think we've, we've done a good job with that. Now you got to go here for you got stuff, but let's talk about the car store for a second. Okay. What was the reason you wanted to be a sanctioning body owner? Well, I didn't really know I wanted to be a sanctioning body owner until I walked into, into Dale's motorhome. And how did it come about? I sent him a text and, and asked him a question about the cars tour. And the next thing I know, I'm sitting in his motorhome and he's like, well, why don't you just do it with me? And I was like, okay, where do we start? I don't know. So that was at, at Bristol in, in April, and uh, we, we just announced that in, I guess, the first week of January. So, you know, I think for, I think for all of us, it's a, it's a very cool group of people. And when you look at myself and, and Dale, obviously, he's got the, the biggest stake in, in, in the Cars Tour with the team owner and, and understanding it. Uh, KHI, from the management side, it's a great, it's a great asset for us to have. It's a great excuse for me to to go to the racetrack and drive the car and and be a part of the, the the races and try to help promote the series. You look at Justin; he thinks about things from such a different different mindset. And and Jeff is is he's great at taking all those ideas and and helping us communicate and understand where we all are. And and has raced in the cars tour and has a lot of experience there too. So I can't wait to uh, to to have those meetings. And and I really can't wait to just kind of walk through the paddock and, and meet everybody, all the competitors, and, and do simple things. Like we were talking earlier, it's, I had your dad over today working on my seat, and, and you see so much low-hanging fruit when you look at it from a, just a safety standpoint. Jack's obviously done a great job with, the, with making the tour successful and, and doing things like that, but just helping the guys understand the simple things. And really that's what, we, what I, I, I think we all want to accomplish is how do we keep it simple but – bring enough attention to it and, and take that low-hanging fruit in the first couple of years and, and try to you know put the, the tour on a platform to get the guys that race in that series the recognition that they deserve. 
it shouldn't have taken that long for people to recognize Josh Berry and, and give him the opportunities. And you look at Quapple and, and the things that he did in, in the car this year. And, and there's just there's all kinds of stories like that. And, but when you look in the southeast and you look at late model stock racing, it's, it's good. And when you look at all these other series that, that race around it, and I talked to Brent and, and some of the kids that have raced in the series, like I said, well, what do you think? Well, I'd rather go run a cars to a race because I don't have to worry about getting – a hack job you know, run over for 10th place and and so the 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 way that they've set the series up and and the you know the way that it's um the reputation that it has of being good racing and officiated right and, and all the things that that jack has has done with the series over the last several years you have to be very careful about being not doing too much because it doesn't need much but our platform will hopefully help it initially and and we can start to uh, do a few things here and there to to make that platform bigger the more we can keep it simple and clean and organized and on time on time like that's the biggest problem with dirt racing i watched the chili bowl and i was like my god why why don't we just run some of these heat races the day before and why don't they have starters? Why don't they have starters? I don't get it. That's yeah. a hell Corey's willing to die. Every <laughs> single sprint car mechanic in the country jumps on my Twitter and accosts me because I had to I didn't even get to watch it. I fell asleep. I mean, most of the viewers didn't get to watch it. Yeah. So I, I think just priding ourselves in, in trying to be organized and on time, would I think that's just a great start and because that's that's really where a lot of short track racing falls short. They aren't organized, and the bathroom's all – all are all terrible every short track that i've been to i'm like man why can't we just let's just make a bathroom that that doesn't have works a, that doesn't have a galvanized steel urinal or <laughs> or trough in it i know it's brutal i will keep it simple we had two we add a new question every year and you're going to get the new new question so all the right. first question is if you had to pick one race car and one racetrack the rest of your life to race at what do you pick one race car at one racetrack. Yep. Any era, cup car, late model, whatever you want. F1 car. Well, I, I don't have any experience in, in any open wheel car, so it's it's going to be a stock car. I think for for me, I would probably, if it was going to be a, the early school, the early 95, 96, 97 trucks were really fun. The spoilers were really small. Didn't have a bunch of downforce, didn't have a bunch of offset. But I would probably go with the cup cars from like the 2000, probably probably 2000, I guess it would have been 2006, 7, 8, right in there when they just had all the, mm-hmm. they had all the power, they had all the downforce, and they just, they just looked sweet. Badass. That picture of your car, is it Where? Indy? Over the top. Over yeah. the top. Yeah, the, the Elvis car. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you run that car at then? <clears throat> Old Bristol. Oof. Yeah. Old Bristol all day. Man wants a workout. Original, <laughs> original Bristol. He's going to be in shape. But it Crazy. wasn't a workout when you did it right because it's just yeah. a rhythm. It's just a rhythm. When everything was right and you were sitting in the car right and, and you just got in that rhythm, you were relaxed and just – you'd lose track of where you were on the racetrack and it was just bum, bum, bum. Yeah. All about a rhythm. Love that answer. That's a first. Uh, question number two, what's the most embarrassed you've been at the racetrack? Most embarrassed I've ever been at the racetrack? I would probably say t- Not the, whole, the whole Keselowski thing. Like, I don't know what I was thinking there. I know what I was thinking when I kind of pushed him into the fight. 
and then it oh, caused Texas. The, it caused the the chaos and for for me my mind was man we didn't win tonight we need chaos i went back into that i went back into that i went showman. back into that i went back into that showman thing i'm like we need these guys to be the story not us being the story that we didn't win tonight and well that worked but it was it was i mean i felt I feel dumb for that. In you gave Jeff Gordon a bloody lip. Uh, well, I feel dumb, dumb for that. But in the end, we made it to Homestead. We didn't win the championship. Kyle came and won the championship. But we needed the story to go elsewhere other than us and being out of contention. And so I, I've had a lot of those moments where I think about the show and, the, and controlling the message. And for me, that was, that was one I wish I could take you back. You left that situation embarrassed? I didn't at the time. But I look back at it now, and I'm like, I don't know. It, it did exactly what I needed it do to do oh, it, yeah. to do at the time. But he was playing chess. Oh, he was playing chess. Well, because if you didn't, playing, if you I'm didn't push him, chess. like it was right at the moment of where it was almost diffused. It and was. If you diffused. didn't like give him that little bit, and then Jeff was like, I'm back at it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, and well, you I, got him within reach and yeah, distance. He, yeah, he he got a hold of him. Yeah, he got a hold of him, and then it was just complete chaos. So. It did exactly what I wanted it to do, but it's not the best thing for your kids to find on YouTube to start the fight, right? So we got to come up with third question, third season here, stacking pennies. I need your help to pick what it's going to be. It's either going to be what's your happiest moment at the racetrack or – That's not fun. Okay, or your first racing memory. My first racing memory would probably be the first day that I drove my go-kart. I got a, I got a go-kart. I was five, and I got a go-kart for kindergarten graduation. And I remember it like it was yesterday, being stuck under the barbed wire fence because <laughs> I got confused on which pedal was which, and I wound up stuck with the barbed wire. Oh no! Next, uh, next to the fence. So that was how my that was how my uh, first day in a in a vehicle went. Well, you've got a little better since then, I'd say. I, I still have my moments. Well, Kevin Harvick, it's gonna be a pleasure strapping up next to you all year. Good luck on the last season. Thanks for coming on Stacking Pennies, but I appreciate it. Thank you guys. Appreciate you. Yep. Thanks. Thank you. Guys, we could have talked all day with that future Hall of Famer, Kevin Harvick. If you wanted to catch that full interview, because we tri- had to trim a little fat. So we ran a little long. So if you wanted to go check that, go check that out on NASCAR's YouTube page. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Which brings up what I just talked about, Chuck. Is Harvick a first ballad Hall of Famer? Yes. No question. Yes. Is he? Absolutely. Like, if I mean, if Matt, you saw it from Martinsville. Matt Kenseth is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'm glad that came up in the first episode of the year. (laughs) I mean, stats for stats, Harvick's it. He's done a lot. Done a lot. In the car. He's done a lot with his own team, and he's doing a lot now, propelling the sport forward, and there might be a TV booth in his future. So, I I mean, he, he checks all the boxes for somebody that has made the sport a better place. Yeah, and left it a better place than he found it, no doubt. What's yeah. your opinion, Merriman? In, unless he's on there with Jimmy Johnson, Shaq, and Nels. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's, that's the only way he doesn't get in first ballot. So oh, because there's only ballot. two spots. Uh, yeah. Two modern spots and then one. I yeah, but but Chad was active for a couple of years after. I was just giving hypotheticals. Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy should be on it next year. Chad Knauss wouldn't head-to-head wouldn't go in over Harvick. Ooh. Harvick? That's what? Take. Harvick? What? That's a cold take. Harvick's a first ballot, no question. Chad Knauss is a seven-time champion. 
I'm gonna get out of the line of fire here. Golly, I, I think that's the I... dumbest thing I've heard all year. It's only January. <laughs> Good. You're gonna hear more dumb. <laughs> you listen to second page every week. Yes, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, he's got. Nine. So is Chad. Don't yeah. get that. Don't yeah. mistake that. Yeah. I mean, you look at the at, at Kevin's body of work, and it's not until he got over into Stuart Haas Racing. I mean, I think. Yeah, I realize you're talking to a driver. I know, but yeah, that's like, right. I'm a little, I'm a little biased. biased. It's like I don't forget how many wins he had at RCR, but then he goes to Stuart Haas, and like, that's. All of his wins are there. He yeah. believed that uh, he would win. They won that. I'll, he won that one race. That sounds uh, like some legacy motor club. He won Day, Daytona he's won, 500. He's won Daytona. Won. He's won the Brickyard three times. He's won. He won in the Southern Dale 500 Earnhardt's car. Right after at Atlanta, I don't. Yeah. I, I I'm mean, talking I, about I that the really, sheer bulk of his wins have come with Stuart Haas Racing, and that's only from 2014 till now. Yeah. So I mean, so freaking good, dude. Won ten races, nine races. Yeah, I was there. Yep. <laughs> I, was, I was getting my ass kicked by him every week. I was there. Uh, but the four going in this year, guys, we had one on the show last year, Mr. Mike Helton joined us on the show, and we gave him his blue jacket, but not for the Hall of Fame. We gave him blue jacket for the kickball classic. Also joined in there by Kirk Shelmerdine. Did he drive a little bit too? Oh, yeah. But obviously going in as a crew chief. Uh, back in the day when you back were in the day. a crew chief and a pit crew member at the same time. Back Just when men were men. Men were men. Not just why are you guys looking at me? Because <laughs> we aren't looking at you. <laughs> you know, Kurt Schilmerdine. Then uh, Herschel McGrath, who has some unbelievable stats. This is on December 14th. Herschel McGriff turns 95 today. He's raced against Todd Chamberlain, born in 1906, and Haley Deegan, born in 2001. Everyone in NASCAR history has either raced against Herschel or raced against somebody who has. Wow. So it's like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. But there's two degrees of Herschel. Two degrees of Herschel. That's crazy. That's awesome. Solid class. Uh, when's the induction ceremony? Oh, you guys could open for one of those. Huh? It's this Friday. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. yeah. This it's is coming up this Friday. They're doing a red carpet thing. You know, it's, you can catch that on uh, NASCAR.com and uh, YouTube, our NASCAR YouTube channel. We're going to do a little red carpet yep. promo stuff before the show. And then they're going to induct them into the Hall of Fame in the Crown Ballroom here at the Convention Center in Charlotte. Wow. Big week. Yeah. Let's say, you know, you get in the Hall of Fame one day. You're going to get in there. What would you put in like that? You know, because the cool thing that they do is they have their uh, the car or some sort of you know for yeah. Bill France Senior it was the desk, mm. the artifact that they put in the Hall of Fame for that sort of enshrinement ceremony. Like, what type of stuff you know would you want in there? That's a great question. Yeah, it's probably my first ever trophy. Yeah, I'd have a I would have a uh, smorgasbord of stuff. I kept my fir- uh, not my first. I kept the last check that BK Racing ever sent me that. I was told not to cash because there's no money in the bank. So I kept that and framed it for some motivation. Um, beyond that, there I don't really have a whole lot of sentimental attachment. I don't have any cars that I race. Granted, I haven't won anything. In if you could get yet. Catfish back, though. That was, it, that was a good, was car. A good car. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I don't, that wouldn't be. That wouldn't be the car you put in there. You got. Uh, if you're going to make the Hall of Fame, you've got a lot more to do right now. And oh, be, no question. There'd be a lot of cars that come. Been a great first episode. We're just getting back in the swing of things, trying to get our feet underneath of us. We're going to keep this thing moving now. Every Tuesday is we're going to be in here giving you all the good stuff. So keep an eye out. We're going to have some great guests. as We're going to have some on-location shows, picking those out as we speak. We're going to be out in L.A. at Race Service, having a good time before the clash. 
A lot of good stuff in store for you guys with stacking pennies. Just lean in, have a little fun this year. That number seven Chevy Camaro is going to be moving this year. We're having some a uh, lot of good sim sessions, a lot of good uh, new processes we're putting in, trying to find some downforce, getting some more information some, for some people that have had it, a lot of new stuff that we didn't get last year. So I'm excited the direction we're going. And uh, Penny Stacker of the Week, sat next to a guy on the way back from Miami yesterday that recognized me, listens to the podcast. Dave is his name. Don't know why. On the flight? Yeah, on the flight. Huh. Right a lot there. of people. He was like, hey, are you Corey? I'm like, yeah, I listen to the podcast. Let him whisper that to you. Yeah, he did. He's the, he's the penny stacker of the week, then. I, I, I mean, did. did he ask to be the penny stacker? No. All right, he's in. Yeah, yeah, just like randomly somebody on a, like, non-NASCAR flight yeah. somewhere yeah. says recognize you and says, I listen to the Hell yeah, Dave. Well, his 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 NASCAR antenna was up because he said he saw David Reagan walking through the airport at the same time. That peaked it? That peaked it. Well, that I was means like, he's also, a true fan. Yeah. I was going to say, like, if you if you could pick out David yeah. Reagan in the Miami airport, yeah. like, you are a fan, bro. A lot of flights in the upcoming future, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get to work. Hope you guys are, too. Hope you guys had a great winter because the wheels are about to start rolling. Whether you like it or not, we're going to be in the L.A. Clash here in two weeks in the Daytona 534 days away, 32 days away from the time you listen to the podcast. So buckle up. We are moving. And this is Stacking Pennies. Make sure you guys continue to like, download, share, rate, review. Tweet at us. Hashtag Penny for your thoughts. We'll get back to answer those questions when we get back in the swing of things. Talk to you all next week. It's been a good one. Bye.